The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Off the board. Laid by Stepan and taken back by James Neal. He can't get control of it. Schmoltz spins in his own zone and heads up the ice with Stepan. Schmoltz with it now to Stepan in front of the shot. He scores! Derek Stepan with his first goal since opening night. And this one gives the Coyotes a 3-2 overtime win in Edmonton. 9-4-1 on the season are the Arizona Coyotes. There's another surprise team in the Pacific Division. You've got a bunch of them to start the season. I think Anaheim and how competitive they've been has been surprising through the first month. I think obviously with the Edmonton Oilers, who got another point last night, are doing. That's definitely a surprise. Uh, no question, Vancouver and their torrid start to the season has been a little bit of, a, um, I don't know, a shocker, but it certainly has jumped off the page. And then there's the Arizona Coyotes. Another win last night, 3-2 in overtime in Edmonton, 9-4-1 and through their first 14 games. And I'm really interested in what these guys are all about. And we're going to see them up close and personal for the first time tonight here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. They enter action tonight, a point up on the Calgary Flames with one fewer game played, and it's not hard to see why they're getting the job done right now. Only the Boston Bruins have gotten better overall goaltending than the Arizona Coyotes have. Team save percentage of 929. They're getting insane goaltending right now. Uh, Darcy Kemper leading the way, sitting at 940. Now, we're not seeing Darcy Kemper tonight. We're going to see Anthony Ranta get the start in net for the Coyotes tonight. He's at a respectable 914 in four starts so far this year, but Mr. Klein, we've been waiting for this team for a long time. I mean, I go back to two or three years ago when they started to really stockpile a lot of young, promising talent. They had some high picks. You know, for instance, one of those picks isn't even in the organization anymore in Dylan Strom, but uh, they were able to use him to go and acquire a, a pretty important piece of their group right now in Nick Schmaltz. But We've known for a while with Dvorak and Keller and Chikrin and, and some of the young players that they have added to the organization and have given time to develop. Like, okay, well, this team should be, could be pretty good at some point. And I'm not necessarily expecting them to be fighting for the top of the Pacific Division all year long, but knowing how hard they play, knowing how well they're coached, and it's it's hard to find somebody who has something bad to say about Rick Tockett and the way he goes about his business. Clyder, I don't, I don't see this team dropping off. I don't see the Coyotes disappearing this year. I, I think they're going to be uh, a team that gives a lot of other squads difficulty this year because I, I think they're a, a pretty decent-looking team right now. This is, It's a little surprising to see where they are to start the year, but we've been waiting for this for a little while. Yeah, we have been. They've been everyone's darling sleeper team for about five years, and now it looks like they're legit. And I, I don't think there's going to be a falling off in uh, in Arizona because I love the job they are doing coaching. You watch that Arizona team against Edmonton last night. They coached the hell out of that game last night. And is it the most entertaining style of hockey? 
uh, as Mark Spector found out last night. No, it is not. Um, but it, it is. It, it's an effective brand of hockey. They play very well defensively. They're going to make you make a mistake. And now the difference from some of the, the Dave Tippett years where they played sound defensively, now they have guys like Phil Kessel who can come down and really make you pay. So they have a quick transition game that once you make a mistake, they have a lot of firepower that can take advantage of those things. And when you play with that type of a structure, that plays anywhere. You, you can see why this is a team that is fine. Two and one. When you're playing sound defensive hockey, it doesn't matter what rink you're playing in. That's going to carry over. And if you can have success on the road, you're going to have a real good year in the National Hockey League. They're a, they're an interesting team for they're me a this year. Problem is what they are. They're a they, problem, and I think they're a problem for if if you're the Calgary Flames, if you're the San Jose Sharks, if you're the Vegas Golden Knights. The three teams that I think most of us had penciled in as playoff teams to start the year. It's one of the, like, we all talked about it. I remember on, on the roundtable, Derek and Ryan and I, and, and, and I think we were all on the same page. Yeah, there's probably, there's three teams that you think are going to make it, Calgary, Vegas, and San Jose. We're only a month in. There's a lot that needs to play itself out, and San Jose's horrid start to the season certainly uh, was not expected by anybody, but, there are a few teams that I think are, are throwing a couple of sticks into the spokes here, and, and uh, I, I think Arizona is one that looks a little bit more sustainable than others. And, and you know, I, this is not me trying to be Calgary guy on the radio uh, slagging on the Oilers because that's not what it is at all. But do I see the Oilers being on top of the Pacific Division for the rest of the year? No, I don't. I think there is going to be uh, a little bit of a falling back down to earth with how often they're being outshot and outchanced and how much they rely on three or four players to do most of their work, and that includes the goaltending, which has been very good with both Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, but yeah, I, I think the Oilers do fall down to earth at some point, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think Vancouver is going to be competitive all year. I don't know if I see them scoring at the rate that they have scored to start the year, so I think that comes back down to earth a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I like the way you phrase it. The, the Arizona Coyotes is a problem. That is a good way to phrase it, because I don't think they're going anywhere as a competitive competitive group, I think they're going to be tough outs for everybody uh, throughout the rest of the season, and they have more talent than they have had before. They barely had Nick Schmaltz last year. They didn't have Phil Kessel last year. Dvorak and Keller and some of their other young players have taken steps forward. Like this, this group's pretty good, and, and that goaltending from Darcy Kemper isn't just the start of a season. Remember, he was doing this last year, too. So... This is, uh, I like that. They're, they're a bit of a problem if you're one of the teams that, or, or if you're a, a fan of a team that you thought was just going to be a playoff team in the Pacific. Maybe not as uh, fait accompli as we thought. Oh, I, I, maybe you guys missed when the, the morning show did the season preview, but I definitely had Edmonton, Vancouver, Arizona, Anaheim all coming out of the playoffs, or all coming out of the Pacific for the playoffs. So this is going exactly how I thought oh, the season Oh, good for you, man. Yeah, you're no, you're, you're really that. liking the yeah. way the season's starting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Don't it, you look smart, Mr. Klein. Yeah, that's going to stick, and by the end of the year, I'm going to be living in a penthouse somewhere in California because I put a bet on that one. But no, it's 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 a very for unpredictable you. start to the season. Thank you. Um, but of the teams that are hanging around, I do think Arizona has the best chance to hang around because of what I talked about with the the structure and and everything like that they are you're going to have to play almost perfectly against them every night and they're just going to keep playing the way they are keep doing what they're doing um I I'm with you the the goaltending is not a concern for me in Arizona uh, I do think there might be a bit of a goaltending fall off in Edmonton and and yeah, I don't 
don't see Vancouver leading the West in goal scoring for the rest of the season. Um, but no, I, I think Arizona definitely has the, the best opportunity to keep this moving forward and continue to cause, again, the, the phrase of the, the show so far, continue to cause problems for teams across the Western Conference. No, of course, that means they're going to come in tonight and look awful on the second half. Oh, yeah, Flames are getting nine tonight, so it's fine. We're going to be like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess we were a little wrong about that. Uh, Coyotes and Flames at 7 o'clock tonight right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, welcome to the Steinberg show on a Tuesday game day. We're on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up tonight and television you'll find this one on Sportsnet West. So Derek, Peter, and yours truly on the radio starting at 6. Rick, Kelly and Ryan starting at 7 on Sportsnet West. What can we tell you about tonight's lineup? Well, we can tell you that it'll be David Riddick going back in net tonight. Riddick gets the start. Antti Ranta goes for the Coyotes. And no changes in front of David Riddick. He's the only change after Cam Talbot started on Sunday against Washington. Forward lines will start the same. Monaghan between Gaudreau and Lindholm. Backlund with Manjapani and Kachuk. Ryan with Bennett and Quine. And then Jankowski playing between Reeder and Froelich. Blue lines stays the same. Jordano Brody, Hannafin Hamannick, Shillington Anderson. That's what your lineup looks like tonight for the Flames and the Arizona Coyotes. Um, for a second straight game, no Milan Lucic for the Calgary Flames. Lucic will sit the second of his two-game suspension. And I don't think this two-game suspension is going to be changing his attitude um, whatsoever. I, I don't think that this is going to end up um, making Lucic change the way that he approaches the game, uh, no. obviously. the uh, Well, and, and, and I have evidence towards that, Klein. Um, so if, if you missed it, and most Flames fans have seen this, but Lucic on Saturday uh, gets suspended two games for a punch to the face of Cole Sherwood of the Columbus Blue Jackets. It came after uh, Sherwood stripped Lucic of the puck on the half boards, came in, took a shot. David Riddick made the stop, and then Sherwood gave that extra poke to Riddick after it, it was pretty clear that he had the puck. Like, and 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 I get the frustration of getting the extra hack on your goaltender, and Lucic went after him, and and I thought as as we've talked about, maybe a little over the line with the uh, with the retribution. Um, instead of going after him, uh, he went right and uh, cracked him right in the face with the punch. Now. NHL decides it's a two-game suspension. I didn't have a problem with the suspension. I also didn't have a problem with the play. And I know you're like, well, how can – look, I thought I thought he overreacted a little bit, but I still thought it was good that you've got a guy going and, and immediately protecting a goaltender like that. I think it's something the Flames have been lacking in recent years. So did he maybe – well, did he definitely go over the line? Yeah, he definitely went over the line. So I understand the two-game suspension. But listen to Milan here, who uh, spoke for the first time following the suspension inside the locker room. Uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be uh, changing his approach all that much as uh, he spoke for about four minutes inside the Flames locker room this morning. I mean, it was pretty clear the guy, uh, whatever you want to call it, slashes or spears the goalie and just standing up for him and, uh, you know, more than willing to do that. I thought the referees got it right on the ice the first time and, um, you know, by them going up uh, on the PP there and, you know, they even got a slashing penalty on the play. So uh, I think... Even Ritter said it was the second time he got slashed in three games, and um, you got to step up for your teammates. And you know, I'm more than willing to do that. And 
you know, and this suspension doesn't won't change that uh, moving forward. I was just going to ask, what, what is the message from from that you take away from something like that? This is sort of the way. Uh, just, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what? Maybe it's, uh, you, you got to get in there and, and, and protect your players, protect your goalie. I know on his explanation videos, he kind of showed a, a number of things. And, you know, of all those things, they were all reactions to dirty play uh, to begin with. So, um you know, it's it's a school year right out there. You know, he he, you gotta defend yourself, uh, or else, uh, or, or or defend your teammates, or else uh, you kind of get walked all over. And um, you know, like I said, he he gotta continue to to do that uh, moving forward. And more than happy to defend Ritter on that play. More than happy to defend uh, Zarnik in the first game of the year, and um, we'll do that uh, moving forward. Two, uh, two questions and one for Milan in terms of that, that instance. Uh, the one would be, would you go a little bit lighter on Sherwood? And were you surprised that he wasn't, it didn't look like he was expecting any court sort of repercussion after slashing your goaltend? Uh, yeah, I, I guess that might be the play moving forward is, is going a little lighter. Because uh, I know from, from my standpoint, um, you go hard into a scrum like that because you expect guys to take care of themselves. And, you know, when you watch a boxing match, I'm not saying hockey's boxing, but one of the things the referee says, you know, when you're in the ring, you protect yourself at all times. And it's, I think it's the same thing when, when you're on the ice. You know, you're, you can't have, you know, other people protecting you. You kind of have to protect yourself at all times. And I think he said in the media after that, you know, he, you know, he, he, re- expects a reaction like that when he slashes a goalie and it's funny even even on the on the first in the first game of the year Zadarov's kind of looking at the at the referee to defend him in, in a sense like that where you know I was brought up in the age and and everything where you protect yourself at all times and um so yeah uh maybe moving forward you can expect that from guys maybe not to be uh ready for it so Maybe go a little lighter on him, but it's hard to when it's not in your nature. Uh, so I think I think the main thing is is just try to avoid the head. You know, um, I know some people like to write sucker punch. I mean, look up the de- definition of a sucker punch. My arm didn't cock back or anything. It was more of a forearm shiver that rolled up into his head, and um, and uh, I mean we can go and find videos of real sucker punches. Uh, and compare him to that one, but um, but anyways, like I said, just just try to avoid the head uh, moving forward and and go from there. There you go, Milan Lucic. He uh, reacted to his two-game suspension inside the locker room today. Uh, will play or serve rather game two of his suspension tonight when the Flames take on the Arizona Coyotes. My big my biggest takeaway from that is, uh, and and I'm curious as to your reaction, Pete. Not a you know he's not changing the way he goes about things. He's not going to stop defending his teammates, but maybe next time won't go right for a guy's head. And and you know that's probably the right takeaway from it. Like if you're 
year the NHL that's probably I don't think the NHL was wanting to deter Milan Lucic from defending his goaltender just don't go and and uh, get a guy square in the face is is pretty much I think what the league's uh, message was to Lucic and and you heard it right there from him I, I you know and and there was a couple of things about how the league has changed and how things have changed in terms of that side of it but I, that that to me would be the biggest takeaway is that yeah next I'll, I'll do the same thing next time but uh, I'm not just going to go right for the guy's head I'll, and 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 that's probably exactly what you'd want to hear if you're if you're the NHL I look forward to the league now turning into a bunch of Canelo Alvarez's with just like body shot after body shot, just guys going for the liver the whole time. But no, I mean, there, there are definitely ways to, to go about that without punching a guy in the head. We hear about principal point of contact with body checks all the time. That would also, I, I suppose, include punches. And I'm, I'm with you. I th- like that's exactly what Lucic was brought into Calgary to do, protect his teammates. Sometimes that involves taking a suspension as not as long as you're not assaulting a guy, then it's fine. I have no problem with what Lucic did. I don't have a problem with the the suspension from the league, but he's right and you're right. There are ways to go about this where you could stay in the lineup on a more consistent basis. Give a guy a hearty punch to the shoulder or something along those lines. You still send the message without having to set out for the next Well, I, I got to be perfectly honest with you. I think for a lot of human beings, whether you play like for a lot of guys to play in the NHL, you have to be wired a certain way. Like you have to have the uh, insane amount of talent, and you have to be wired a certain way. Um, but even for those who are wired that certain way, Milan Lucic on skates is a terrifying, terrifying human being. Yes, and even if you see him with that look in his eyes, like he's not happy with you. I think that's intimidation enough, and and now all of a sudden you've got this giant human being who is built like a freight train who is coming at you. Like he doesn't need to clock you right in the face to to send that message, and he sent that message many times um, when <laughs> when when he hasn't done that. So <laughs> I think that's that's probably. I, I still think if you're a Flames fan, you want him to go after teams, uh, go after players rather, who you think are taking liberty with your players. And if you felt like Sherwood, and I get it, you know, and there's been a little frustration I know from the Flames about some extra hacks on on Riddick so far this season. So there was a little frustration that that boiled over with Lucic, and and you know, I know that Elliot brought this up yesterday. Um, the fact that he had just been stripped by Sherwood about five seconds prior to that instance, I think the NHL looked at it and said, well, you know, we didn't like the, the timing of the whole thing too. But, yeah, keep on being intimidating. Keep on sticking up for your teammates. Uh, you can probably just do it a little smarter, I think, would be the, the biggest message. But uh, that that is the number one thing. There are lots of limitations in Milan Lucic's game right now, no doubt about it. There are lots of things that the Flames are... are trying to limit from him because it's it would be putting him in spots that doesn't necessarily help the team but that side of his game is still something he absolutely can bring and and I still think the uh, there are times when it's absolutely effective depending on the opponent you're going up against no absolutely I, I mean if, if you want him to serve a two-game suspension for sending a message then that's I, I don't really have much of an issue with it. You can argue whether those types of players are still needed, but I think we've seen a couple examples this season, and he, and he brought them up in that scrum, where the, the Flames have needed a player like that. You hear Ottawa talking about the momentum they gained from a fight the other night, or from a fight last night, and some of their tougher players being back in the lineup and how different the, the game is played. Whether fans like it or not, this is still at least somewhat part of this sport. 
Uh, what do we have on the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line at 960-960? Well, let me tell you. Uh, how many goals are scored by spearing the goalie? That's the play that needs to get out of the game. And, and, and you know, maybe, fair enough, the only thing that I would say to that is, okay, sure, but in the end, uh, that was something that might be a little irritating. It wasn't dangerous. No, It wasn't something that, that put David Riddick in, in danger. It was a, a little frustrating, and the goalie didn't like it, and neither did the team, and I understand that, but you know, it was far more dangerous to punch a guy square in the face. I, I, I think <laughs> yeah. that's probably fair to say. Yes, I, I would agree with that. And if you all of a sudden take away that spear to the goalie, like the, like the texter said, we've seen what taking away kicking the puck in has led to review-wise there would be some form of gray area we wouldn't be expecting if we completely legislate that out of the game. That would be annoying and take way too long to figure out. Uh, what else we got here? Um, I feel like Sherwood went down too easy. Well, I mean, you try getting get pulled punched by, by a fridge. Like, uh, <laughs> that's a good point. And he did get pulled by concussion spotters in that game, yeah. so there is that too. Um can't believe how good the Pacific is this season. Thought it'd be the Central who'd be the dominant division. So far, a month in, the Pacific has been very, very strong. Uh, Pat, I think Lucic punched the guy because he was embarrassed when he stripped him off the puck not to protect the goalie. Um, and then this one from Luke. Pat, you're such a homer. The Oilers can definitely rely on Mike Smith to make 50 saves a game all season, signed 780 area code. Yes, if you even have the gall, Pete, to suggest that allowing 45 to 50 shots a game is not a sustainable way to win a division. All of a sudden, a couple 780 area codes are going to come right up in our text line and get all over us for not knowing anything about hockey. So how dare we suggest that is not a sustainable way to win all the time? How dare we? <laughs> it's funny how that works. When a couple years ago, it was the Flames getting ridiculous, unsustainable goaltending, and it was the 780 area codes who were saying, Oh, this will never last. What is uh, no, no, no. win a playoff round? They did win a playoff yeah. round. They probably shouldn't have, but anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Klein, right. hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, it is November, which means it's Movember. Ryan Pinder is the Sportsnet nine sixty ambassador for Movember this year. Go to his Mobro website, what Mobro page rather, the website mobro.co slash Ryan Pinder nine sixty. Mobro.co slash Ryan Pinder nine sixty. He is uh, growing a stash. It is starting to maybe look like there might be a stash coming in. Uh, the Movember Foundation is the leading charity dedicated to changing the face of men's health around the world. Funds raised delivers breakthrough research and support for men's health, specifically prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, and suicide prevention. Once again, to donate to Pinder's MoBro page, go to mobro.co slash ryanpinder960. Is it time to bail on one of the biggest names at receiver in the NFL? NFL. That plus some Week 10 waiver wire targets, talking all kinds of football around the corner. Just getting started on a game day. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. Fifth Avenue 
Welcome back to the Steinberg Show from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome on a Tuesday afternoon. Flames and Coyotes from the Dome. 7 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It is, uh, well, we got lots to talk about with Week 10 waiver wire targets, nine weeks done in the NFL, and a whole lot more. I want to welcome in a brand-new member of the Sportsnet family. Just uh, joined us a couple of weeks ago. And uh, our brand-new fantasy analyst is Andy McNamara, who joined us on the program right now. Andy, appreciate you doing this. Uh, first of all, welcome to the program. And second of all, welcome to the Sportsnet family. How you doing? Well, I'm good, Pat. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for the warm welcome. It's been uh, a very hectic two, three weeks starting up here. Got a ton of content out all the time. I'm having a blast. This is uh, very exciting to be a part of the family here. Well, so, so tell us about what you're doing. You're our fantasy analyst. You're talking yeah. fantasy football all the time on Twitter, on the radio. Like, you're, uh, we, we're, we're here in the Domino's Pizza Fantasy Minutes. Like, it's just fantasy all the time. Right? <laughs> oh, it, it absolutely is. Got some great NHL fantasy talk as well. Myself and Nick Alberga, the Fantasy Forecheck, which comes out every Saturday on YouTube.com slash Sportsnet. So if you're a fantasy hockey guy, uh, when baseball season comes up, so it's going to be all-encompassing fantasy but yeah the main thing right now is fantasy football and the thing that's so great about fantasy sports is anything that happens in real life affects your fantasy team right like Nick Foles coming back for the Jaguars how is that going to affect Mm -hmm. DJ Chark is that going to affect Leonard Fournette like everything intertwines that's what's so exciting about it and it's uh yeah there's content every day I got a new article out under the wire which comes out every Tuesday on sportsnet.ca and then every Saturday morning I have Ask Andy, where if you guys have any fantasy football questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at AndyMC81. Use hashtag AskAndy and fire away. Well, let's uh, ask Andy a couple of questions right now as we uh, take a look ahead to Week 10 in NFL fantasy football. I teased before the break, is it time to cut bait and uh, maybe give up on one of the biggest names in fantasy football? That name is Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. in Cleveland. Is it, is it time to cut bait? Is it time to give up? Oh, boy, Pat, you know what? And you guys will learn. I am I'm, I'm a third-generation Browns fan. I go to a game every year. This pains me. To say yes, it is. And actually, it's funny you say that. That's, that was the topic of the Fantasy Extra YouTube show that I put out every Monday on uh, YouTube.com slash Sportsnet, which is kind of a look back and an early waiver wire look and whatever storylines. And I posed the question, is it time to bail on Odell Beckham Jr.? No fault of OBJ's. And the answer is yes. Now, you're not going to cut him, obviously. You probably spent uh, a, a fairly high draft pick with all the hype coming around. But what I suggested was put some feelers out there if you're an Odell Beckham Jr. owner in your fantasy. Put some feelers because he still has name recognition, some value. You need a running back, a tight end. Put some feelers out there. See what you can get because he only has one touchdown. He's ranked 18th in overall receiving yards, and there are just no name receivers that are ahead. Chester Rogers has more touchdowns than Odell Beckham Jr. Did you ever think you'd be saying that? So it's it's time. If you can get something, don't trade them for nothing. But if you can get something of substance, it's time to time to cut bait. Sportsnet fantasy analyst Andy McNamara is with us on the Steinberg Show this afternoon. And all of a sudden, and, and you know, we're, we're into bye weeks and we're into scenarios where, you know, you might be running into a couple of tough weeks depending mm. on who you have buys on. And if you're looking for maybe some, some sleeper areas to go to, especially if you're just looking for a one- or two-week play, you're really liking the uh, Tennessee Titans. That offense all of a sudden has some viable right. options on it. 
No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Did you ever think you'd be saying in 2019, Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans are fantasy relevant? I did not. Uh, <laughs> but it, it comes to a time where I, I'm not a chaser on fantasy. I don't like chasing guys where you have one good week and that's it. You can't deny what Ryan Tannehill is doing. Now, real-life quarterback play is one situation. But what he's been able to do is even when he threw two interceptions and one touchdown last week, he still put up over 330 yards, had 25 fantasy points. He's averaging 20-plus in his last three games. And all of a sudden what it's done is it's made guys like A.J. Brown, who's dynamic but couldn't do anything with Marcus Mariota. And if you're looking at receivers, I'm going to say A.J. Brown is the guy you want to go after and pick up rather than a Corey Davis. Davis just doesn't do it for me. He's been way too inconsistent his whole career. And the other one, too, Jonu Smith with Delaney Walker. He just got out of his walking boot, but he won't play this week. Jonu Smith has been a nice play. So, yeah, a, a Tannehill, Jonu Smith, or A.J. Brown stack this week makes a lot of sense to me because, guys, there, there is six teams on by. So you are going to have starters sitting that you you just can't go out and replace typically. What do we know about Le'Veon Bell in New York? Mm-hmm. And, and more importantly, what are some viable options if you're a Bell owner and he's not good to go? Yeah, this this is scary. This is scary. And Bell has not had a great fantasy season. Again, similar to an OBJ situation, I don't really blame Le'Veon. But what he had an MRI on Monday. Last I looked, we didn't have an update on it. But a bad sign was they brought Josh Adams up from the practice squad. So here's two situations. If Bill misses any significant time, and by that I mean two weeks or more, I like Josh Adams going forward. He led the Eagles in uh, rushing yards last year. Now it's only just 550 plus, but he he's flashed, and I like him. If you're going to go this week, you have Ty Montgomery only in PPR formats. Uh, because it is going to be some sort of committee with him and Bilal Powell, and if they work Adams in, it's not a great situation. So for the running back position, it is, it's it's pretty dire. One guy I would say, Pat, to stay away from, and I put this, I was screaming at it on the Under the Wire article, Kalen Balaj. I know we all get thirsty for running backs. You see one, i got to get him, because it's such a thin position group. Kalen Balaj is not the answer for you. 31st in rushing yards of the Dolphins. Their offensive line is terrible. And the bottom line is their game script just doesn't allow them to run the ball because they're behind so often. And he is a far mm-hmm. inferior back to Mark Walton, who just got suspended for four games, and Kenyon Drake, who just got traded to Arizona. So he's like the third guy up just by default. I would not spend any fab dollars or a high waiver priority on Kalen Balazs. If he's there, fine, but I don't love it. Yeah, and and I uh, when when I saw that uh, the the suspension and obviously Drake gone, you're like, well, all of a sudden this guy's on top of the depth chart. But uh, yeah. I was I was reading under the wire. You make some good points. Now, luckily, I'm not that thin at running back in any of my leagues, so I don't have to nice. go down that road. Good. But, um, that's you're right. <laughs> I, if if you're spending any uh, free agent dollars on it. Spend with caution, or at the very least, be ready to potentially be disappointed with Bellage. Andy McNamara, our Sportsnet fantasy analyst, is with us. You've got some other uh, wide receiver targets on the waiver wire. Who else do you like for Week 10? Yeah, it is a really deep week for options at wide receiver. And one other running back, too, you might want to keep an eye on if he's available. Uh, Ronald Jones uh, of Tampa Bay, Bruce Arian, said he is going to get more of a workload. So that's something not, not widely available, but still under 50%. So there's another one. Here's a guy I really like. And I, I love the sleeper plays. I love the value, guys. It doesn't get more, much more available than Hunter Renfro of the Oakland Raiders, available in 97% of Yahoo leagues. So this is a guy in standard, I'm staying away from, but in PPR, 
Hunter Renfro has gone and become Derek Carr's safety blanket. So everyone looks at, and absolutely, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs, they're the fantasy stars. They're going to get theirs. But as a generally cautious quarterback in Derek Carr, he likes that, that bit of security. Hunter Renfro, the last two weeks, he led, last week he led the team in targets. He's caught 10 of 11 passes, has a touchdown in each one, and is just shy of 20 fantasy points in each of those games. So if you're looking for someone and you're thin and you're waiver wire, you're like, oh, man, I got guys sitting. You can pop in Hunter Renfro. He's going to be available in, like, DraftKings DFS contest. He's cheap as well. He's about 5000 bucks. So you look at him and another guy for the Colts, Zach Pascal, who's uh, been shockingly good. He seems to come out of nowhere. Yeah, and I when I saw Pascal uh, available in uh, on a couple of leagues last week, I, I wasn't able to get him because my priority wasn't high enough. But uh, he definitely was one that I focused in. Yeah. On. Finally, finally on the the DST side of things, uh, and and this one this one jumped off the page to me too. If you're if you're in a spot where you're streaming defense special teams, like if you if you've owned New England all year, you haven't needed to stream. But most people are streaming defenses. Baltimore's got to be the number one play in Week Ten, oh. right? No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. One, they put up 13 fantasy point, DST points against New England. They had 18 the week before their bye. And you have the Cincinnati Bengals, who on their own at winless is a great play. You mix in a rookie quarterback. Ryan Finley is taking his first pro snaps in a regular season game. And you got the Ravens. Hello, right? Especially when you're going to be likely in a spot where he's going to be down, he's going to be forced to throw the ball and probably make some mistakes. A very average game manager type out of college. Not too exciting at all. Uh, I think it's, it's something on DraftKings contest. He's 4000 bucks, And as of uh, this morning, was available in less than – or available in over 50% of the Yahoo League. So that's a situation where, like New England's defense, it, the amount of point totals that they could put up is going to be equal to a high-end wide receiver. So – Andy McNamara is with us, our Sportsnet fantasy analyst. Uh, the text line has a couple of questions as well, uh, so I thought I'd throw these at you. Your sure. thoughts on uh, Kareem Hunt, who returns this week? Mm, I am. I love the signing. I think the potential is there. If he's on your waiver wire, I think he's right around 50%, maybe a little bit less uh, generally in leagues. Um, get him. But this Browns offense under first-year head coach Freddie Kitchens, Listen, if you can't make Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry fantasy viable, Landry a little bit less so in, in PPR, what, it almost seems like there's too much star power and he doesn't know what to do. How is that going to affect Kareem Hunt? Are they going to have both on the field at the same time? Are they going to take one on, one off? Is it going to be catching the ball? There is so much unknown to me, especially when you're going up against the Buffalo defense this week. I'm going to, if I have Kareem Hunt and I have a, a better option, even a, a lower end maybe, Stable option. I'm going to play them until I see what exactly Kareem Hunt is. And we have to remember, too, dude's coming back his first game this year since the preseason. So it's probably going to take him a couple weeks to get back into the swing of things. So if you can get him, fine. Uh, but, uh, again, don't spend too much because he's really unknown. I like th this is a really interesting question. It says I have Brady and Deshaun Watson on my team, both on bye this week. Any thoughts to keeping both tanking this week for the long term win? In that you know you don't have to drop one of your two quarterbacks to to pick up somebody to stream for a week, and just leave the quarterback spot empty. I I think that's what he's asking. Yeah. Wow. 
Boy, you know what? If I guess in your league, if you have a, a very comfortable lead and you're rolling, uh, sure. I never, I, I never promote tanking in in fantasy because boy, that could come back and, and bite you. I would see if you have some lower end stash. I'm with them. Look, don't necessarily give one up. Maybe try for a trade. I'm sure if you have both those guys in your league, somebody's going to need a quarterback. Why don't you go fishing for a trade a little bit? And out of the two, I'd probably say try to deal Brady. Um, but then see if you have somebody lower on, uh, in your depth chart that you haven't been playing and you can get rid of. And um, that's where somebody like a Ryan Tannehill for one week might come in. Even a, a Derek Carr against the Chargers, Sam Darnold, who's been who, the famous seeing ghost, he could have a bounce back week against the Giants. Daniel Jones, right? Like there's, there's a lot of options. Jameis Winston um, yeah. in the odd league is still available. So I, I would never recommend just leaving a spot blank. Try to add somebody. And if you got those two, see if, see if anyone's interested in Brady and you can get a piece back. I think, uh, and the final question on the text lines about Jay Ajayi, who is working out with the Detroit Lions. I think around 10% is his ownership rate in Yahoo legs. Uh, how, uh, how much of an option should he be? Would you consider going after Jay Ajayi if indeed he signs? Boy, and you know what? When you look at what what that, that whole Detroit situation was a couple weeks ago. How many, I'm sure a bunch of your listeners went and ran out like I did and got Ty Johnson. And then Matt Patricia went full Belichick and started like four guys, right? Yeah. Like what a disappointment. For Jay Ajayi, uh, you're right. He's, uh, I think, 9% in Yahoo League's uh, own. He's one of those, pick him up. If you, don't, don't sweat if you can't get him. But if you got a spot, fine and wait and see how it works out because this just looks like a gross full on committee in Detroit where everyone's just getting single digits. Not interested. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of turned into, it's very, oh. it's very new Englandy with yeah. Matt Patricia in Not Detroit good. with their running back situation. Uh, just before we let you go, Andy McNamara is with us. Also the host of third and long on the Sportsnet radio network, uh, talking CFL once a week. And we are five days away from playoff mm-hmm. action, semifinal Sunday in the CFL. How do you like these two matchups? Well, I think it's going to, I, I love it. I, I love these two matchups and on um, tomorrow's uh, show, that we're going to be recording, and it's going to go out this week. Uh, we're going to have Adam Bighill from the Blue Bombers, or Chris O'Leary, senior writer from CFL.ca, and my guy Ben Kramer uh, from Daily Roto and CFL.ca for the, the, some CFL fantasy and, and betting tips. I've been looking forward to this Montreal-Edmonton matchup because you can kind of see, read the TV, see how it's going to play out for weeks. I think Montreal is not getting enough respect, and I'm taking the Alouettes. The, the Vernon Adams Jr. factor – this team, it's not the best. It's not like you can go up and down and find holes a lot in this lineup. But, man, they just buy in. And as a unit, I'm not going to count them out, man. I, I just I believe in Montreal there. Uh, and for Winnipeg-Calgary, how about Bo Levi-Mitchell, who was a guest on the show last week. I love Bo. Versus Zach Caleros. Like the, the, the rising like a phoenix, right? Zach Caleros out of the ashes. You have to – when both those guys are, are 100%, you got two of the best quarterbacks in the CFL. These two games are just going to be like a grab some popcorn, grab some pizza, and just enjoy. The other thing that I – because I'm with you on Montreal. I, I chose the Alouettes to win this week. I uh, I, I have the uh, privilege of, of voting on the uh, year-end awards in the CFL. Vernon oh, nice. Adams got my uh, first-place vote for MOP in the East, and Kahari Jones yeah. got my first-place vote for Coach of the Year. And here's, here's the thing that worries me about the Eskimos – 
Trevor Harris, they decide to sit out. I, I get it was a meaningless game in week 21, but the guy started one game in two months. Yep. And to yep. ask him to come in and be at game, a playoff game form against a good Alouettes team on the road, I don't like that scenario for Edmonton. I am 100% with you, Pat. I was of the same thinking. Like, at least give him a half, a little bit, keep, keep some sort of flow. Because you, you come out cold against this Alouette team. Let's think about this. Nothing is going to spook Montreal. They had their head coach say, nah, and, get, and, and go in the preseason. Then they're on a winning streak. General manager fired. Okay? Then they overcome some injuries to the quarterback position. They have overcome everything. They have been left for dead and have overcome. Nothing is going to get this team rattled. So if you come out cold and you're Edmonton, they, Montreal could run away with this. You've got to hit them in the mouth first, and it's going to be a, a real back and forth, I think. And, and if not, it's, I think if it's going to be a blow in any one direction, it's going to be with the Alouettes in Montreal. Good stuff, Andy. That was awesome. Let's do it again next week. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Good luck in Week 10 Fantasy, my friend. Oh, thanks, Pat. Looking forward to it. It's Andy McNamara. He is the Sportsnet fantasy analyst and also the host of Third and Long across the Sportsnet radio network. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, the same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Oh, baby. I think for the first time ever, Peter Klein is about to deliver our three burning questions, which makes me very excited, Mr. Klein. Yeah, first time, long time. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> first, first question for you. As we discussed previously, the teams atop the Pacific Division aren't necessarily the ones, uh, aside from me, that, uh, that we expected with Edmonton, Vancouver, Arizona, and Anaheim sitting in the top four spots. Of those four teams, who is the most likely to stick around atop the Pacific Division for the whole season? Uh, there are two that I would put in the most likely category. Those two would be... Arizona and Vancouver. Um, now, I don't. I don't know if I see either of them sticking around as you know on pace for a hundred point type teams. But I do think that both are going to stick around and be in the playoff picture all year long. Uh, Arizona is a team with very strong goaltending. I don't see that strong goaltending dropping off. Maybe Darcy Kemper doesn't stay at 940 all year, but if he's at 918 in March and April, I think they'll still be right there in the playoff mix. They're getting good contributions up and down their lineup. They'll get Jalmerson back at some point as well. So I think that this Coyotes team is a sustainably competitive team, and I think Vancouver is. I don't know what direction the Canucks are going long-term, but right now, J.T. Miller's been a nice fit. Uh, Quinn Hughes has looked good. Um, they've they've added on their blue line with Jordy Bannon, Tyler Myers, and, you know, you may not like the contract to Myers, but he still made their blue line better. Uh, Pedersen has taken a, a step, as a lot of people thought he would. Brock Besser looks good. Like This, this looks like a team that is better than it was last year. Year. They're getting good goaltending from a guy who's posted 9-13 the last two years. Thatcher Demko's come in and played well. So of the teams that I think can stay in this mix, uh, the power rankings would go Arizona 1, Vancouver 2, and pretty close to one another too. 
Moving into the Canadian Football League, we don't have to do predictions today, but if we were to do like Madden-style rankings, which team left in the CFL playoffs has the most talent? Oh, just straight talent for yeah, talent? Yeah, just like Madden overall ranking. Oh, boy. I'm racking my brain. I think the Stamps are getting a lot of their guys back, and they might be getting Greenwood back, and Dexter McCoyles looked really good, but I'm going to go with Hamilton 1 uh, because I think that they're just fine at quarterback. Dane Evans has left the Tiger Cats a really interesting question during the offseason. On, on the defensive side of things, they have got some really talented players from Bro to Leonard to like that. That's a really good group defensively. Um, on offense, with Brandon Banks leading the way and Braylon Addison and Luke Tasker coming back and Jalen Acklin and Marcus Tucker, like they, they've got a lot of good players at receiver. Uh, they, they're, they're not, I mean, Terrell Sutton coming in there gives them an interesting look at running back, even though the run game has not been their strength this year. So I, I think I would go Hamilton. Hamilton 1, very close 1 ahead of Calgary 2 would be how I'd go those power rankings. I'm sorry, you're incorrect. The correct answer was Winnipeg. But we'll see if you can do better on this last one. As a one. Riders fan, I feel like that <laughs> must feel like vomit coming oh, out yeah. of your mouth. No, I, I think I just took five years off of my life actually saying that. Uh, last one for you. We, we'd like to do a few betting type things on, on this program. The no. total is set at 0.5. The question, number of snaps Cam Newton plays in a Carolina Panthers uniform for the rest of his career. Placed oh. on IR today, so his season is over. Uh, he is not playing. Another, it's definitely under zero for the rest of this season, <laughs> yes. or under point five for the rest of this season. Uh, you know what? I, I I think that that time might be done. I'm going to ask Jason Lacken for that question at two thirty. But I I think the Cam Newton stretch in uh, in Carolina might be done. And I don't even maybe it's Kyle Allen who's the answer. Maybe it's not. But I I think that that's probably uh, that's probably it for Cam Newton with the Panthers. You got that one correct. Excellent job. Yes, I'm glad I got that one correct. Thank you. Uh, those are your three burning questions on this Tuesday. Be tuned in next Monday from 9 until 10 o'clock for the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Albertan, uh, Horse Racing Alberta. rather. Thoroughbred Racing has an annual economic impact of $399 million and positively affects almost every Alberta community. Learn more at thehorses.com. Eric Francis joins Will every Monday from 9 Nine and ten, nine until ten o'clock on the Eric Francis Show. Well, the Flames aren't making any changes tonight, and the Coyotes are starting to make people stand up and take notice. Pinder and Steinberg kicks off around the corner. Sportsnet 960, the fan. This Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan, and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. Fifth Avenue, VW.com.